coming to you from the lab, where we talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Riding Shotgun is my co-host, Big Keith. I'm your host, Mike, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to The Gun Experiment, episode 13. This week, Keith and I speak to Mad Cactus Customs, review tourniquets, and shoot the shit about dove hunting. I just want to remind everyone that we drop new episodes on the second and fourth Monday of every month, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. And as always, by my side, the man that brings a sizzle to the state, Big Keith. What's going on, Keith? Where are you coming up with these uh, one-liners to introduce me? I'm loving them. Sizzle to the steak. I got to keep it fresh, man. (laughs) Uh, I might might have to use that one tomorrow. (laughs) How's it going? It's going well. I'm... uh, Having a good night and uh, happy to be here with you and uh, and luck when, when he arrives. Awesome, awesome. So uh, you got a drink in your hand? I do, I do. And it's just a screwdriver, nothing exciting, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to have a little prickly pear uh, for the mad cactus, but uh, I, d- I decided that, that people might start saying I'm drinking girly drinks like you, so I decided to stay with the screwdriver. Speaking of girly drinks, how did you know? I have a vodka and cranberry <laughs> in my hand as we speak. Um, <laughs> I wanted to keep it nice and simple, but anyway, so listen, simple and we, girly, I got it simple and girly, man. Listen, I, I can handle it. So, uh, you know, in over the you know course of the episodes that we've been uh, releasing, you know, I've been asking people to, uh, drop some reviews and, and, and leave us comments and stuff. And I actually have gotten a couple things. Um, I, I sent one to you and, uh, what did, what did the, uh, the comment that I sent you have to say? Uh, it was, uh, from Philly one, one, four. Uh, she gave five-star host and co-host have great chemistry, well thought out and curated show. Uh, we uh, have some pretty good segment uh, segmenting, in, uh, according to her, and maintains l- listener interest. Uh, looking forward to future episodes. Awesome, awesome. So if you're out there and you're listening, you know I'm I'm not just looking for a pat on the back here, Keith and I. I think I think our egos are pretty well in check. Really, you need that pat on the back? Oh, man. listen, in this I I like pat on the backs. That's fair enough. But aside from just Keith getting a pat on the back, it really does help us when people leave us five-star reviews and leave us comments in iTunes because it helps us get ranked. And the more we're ranked, the more people that find us and the more that we can spread the Second Amendment love. So if you're out there, please just take a second and drop that five-star and that comment for us. And of course, we'll read them on the show. So anyway, Keith, our guest tonight is an FFL out of Dayton, Texas. He specializes in custom Cerakote, laser engraving, and stippling. Please welcome Luck from Mad Cactus Custom. Luck, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Thank you all for having me. Oh, man, our pleasure. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yes, sir. So I got to ask you, what's it like down there in Texas right now? Pretty hot? Uh, it's hot and muggy. We've been getting a lot of uh, wet weather from the coast. And then we just had that little, uh, I think it was called Hannah. Tropical yeah. yeah. So uh, it's been wet and muggy these last few days. How far away for where, where were you from that? Uh, I was. We were probably about four hours away from the. Uh, I guess where it made landfall, but I get the outer, the outer bands are still. They're still coming through. I want to ask you something. I, I kind of had uh, asked you quickly. You you owned a pawn shop where you're at, um, and you sold it last year. You told me, correct? Yes, correct. Now, did you sell that to sort of take this business on and run this business full time? Is that what happened? That's kind of what happened, um, but we noticed that the profitability of the shop wasn't as good as it used to be in the years before, 
So we started doing the Cerakote as uh, just kind of for us. And it just kind of took off. We put a sign on the window offering Cerakote. And then it just kind of just snowballed. People and forgot it, you had one shop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it just snowballed. And it just made more sense to, to sell it and then uh, continue on this path. Okay, interesting. So um, so you mentioned Cerakote. Is that, and that sounds like that's how you got your start. Um, I, I know a little bit about it, but for people that don't, Cerakote is basically a coating that you put on pretty much any gun part, right? And does it actually provide any sort of uh, durability to the to the product that you apply it to? It does. It's a uh, it's a two part epoxy. That's uh, most of most of the uh, products are baked on or cured, you know, in the oven. But it's uh, it's diversified. It's, it really started out as a firearms coating. It does provide a like scratch resistance, a little bit of temperature uh, protection. Uh, it actually even makes the gun because it's a really thin coating. Actually, makes the the gun parts slicks them up a little bit, for lack of a better word. Sure. And um, but it started out of the firearm coating, but now they're using it any, anywhere from eyeglasses to dental equipment. Some people are even painting their cars with it. Are huh. you are you expanding into those kind of parts too, or just still strictly gun gun parts? So we've we've done car parts, we've done car, uh, bicycle parts, motorcycle parts. We don't get a whole lot of it. But uh, it does come in, and I try. We try not to turn it away when it does come in. Sure, if it comes your way, why not? Right. Right. Luck. When you said uh, you bake it on with like an oven, it, it kind of reminded me of like, is it similar to like uh, like powder? It's coating similar or? to powder coating. It's actually the the, the prep and the uh, the process is very similar, but powder coating powder coating is a lot thicker. Uh, it would it wouldn't work in yeah. firearms. It would just uh, pinholes and all that kind of stuff would just get plugged up. It, it wouldn't work. Yeah. It's too thick of a coating, I think, exactly. right? Exactly. Now, you also do um, stippling, and this is something that I'm really interested to talk to you about because today you posted a picture. I looked through your I looked through your Instagram, and I saw where you had done some stippling. It looked like you had done like solder, soldering iron stippling, which is pretty standard, mm-hmm. and you kind of make pinholes. Do you do that type of stippling, first off? We do. We do the hand stipple, and we do the laser stipple. And that's where I wanted to go. So today you posted one. I like the way that the soldering iron stippling does look when it's done right. But lately, because I'm a little OCD, (laughs) I've really gotten into (laughs) the laser stippling. Yeah. I think the laser Yeah, the one that you posted today, I was like, I said something today on on your Instagram. Like, I mean, it just looks so tight. So, um, I'm assuming that's the same. That's how you also do some of your laser engraving on the metal on the frame as well. Is that it correct? Is. It is just different settings, of course. For uh, the settings are turned down for polymers, turned up okay. for uh, metals. Gotcha. So, um, you know, that's you do that. You do the laser engraving. You do the stippling. You do the cerakote. All that stuff. Um, how did you learn this craft? Because I mean, like, like I would love to just like you know laser engrave something on my on my pistol, but I don't have the skill or even the know how where to begin. Like, how did you? sort of developed the artistic ability to, to do that? Uh, to be honest, it was just a lot of uh, trial and error. Uh, one of the guys at the shop, when I had the shop, he, uh, he used to paint. And uh, we talked about Cerakoting, and he went ahead and, and did a gun for me. So uh, it, it just kind of took off from there. And then uh, did looked at a bunch of YouTube videos and got on Cerakote website, and they have a, uh, a how-to kind of guide. It's uh it's pretty basic, but uh, if you f- if you follow those instructions, you can you can coat a, a gun in a single color. The trial and error comes when you're adding 
multiple colors and stencils and stuff. So you kind of have to figure out the temperatures and the cure times and all that for that to work. So like if you're doing like a Cryptek or if you're doing a, a multi-cam, I'm sure that that's more difficult than just doing a basic like uh, Coyote Tan or something. Exactly. Yes, sir. Of all of this stuff, is there something that you particularly enjoy doing the most? Is there something that of all those services, is there one you like the best? I, I like I like to paint. Uh, I really enjoy doing the multicam uh, colors. Um, I just think they look cool as hell. That's cool. Do, do you do you like it when uh, when a customer says "Do what you want, go wild," or do you you know you like? That I, I do like that. I actually would. Uh, I actually love that, but I I don't like when they say "Do what you want" and then uh, and then he wants to. Well, it's not kind of like it's not like what I was wanting. Do what you want, but uh, do what I tell you. Yeah, do do what you want as long as uh, I get to check everything what, off. What was that? What, uh, what was that? Henry Ford's quote: "You can have a Model T in any any color you want yeah. as long as it's black." <laughs> so now, of the services that you offered, is there one in particular that you find most popular with your with your customers? Like, is there one you do more of? It started out as Cerakote. Uh, lately, it's it's uh, been going more to uh, the engraving part. Uh, we're getting a lot of uh, engraving okay. jobs from all over the country. Do you, do you think that's picked yeah. up because gun sales are are on the rise, or do you think just more people are uh, finding out what you do? I I think it's uh, just finding out that what we do, we, we try to set ourselves as, uh, apart from others and what we can do. So we we try to keep to pushing the envelope. So I think that's why people are reached out to us. I like all the stuff that you're doing. You know, I, I like custom guns, but one of the issues that I always have is. So let's say you buy a $500 pistol, like let's say a Glock, right? And then I'm like, man, I would love to like get this stippled and get like some, you know, some custom paint work. Like I just, I, I love the way that looks, but I've taken classes where I'm talking to instructors that are like, you know, high level military guys and they're like, or, you know, cops and they're like, Hey man, it's a tool. Like, you know, getting it all fancy. It's, it's just a tool. There's no reason for it. And that gets in my head and I'm like, yeah, I guess I don't really need all that stuff, you know, but the reason I'm bringing that up is who do you feel is like your, your client base? Like who do you, are you seeing it across the board? Are you seeing it like younger people doing it? Like what's, who do you find your demographic that's, uh, that's doing this I, kind of work? I would say, uh, 30 to 40 year olds. I think, uh, the 30 to 40 year olds, maybe even 45, they have a little bit more, uh, exp- expendable income. So they're able to do it. Yeah. And, and you know, and to the, the whole, like it's, it's a tool, some of these things are practical. You know, like the stippling, I think, is actually really practical. You know, having a good grip. I always do like the, I don't know if you know what talon grips are. They're like the rubberized yeah. adhesive. And I like those a lot, you know, but realistically, like they're not as good as like an actual stipple well, job. Well, you Mike, know? you're sort of going down the, the road of like one of the reasons we we like to, your your idea behind this this whole podcast is, you know, there are people who just simply think this is crazy to do this kind of stuff to guns, but there are other people that think it's kind of cool and, you know, we should be willing to hear anybody's argument or, or position on, on whether or not they want to personalize their firearm or not. Yeah. And, you know, to, to kind of second that, I mean, I do think it's just a tool. So what I mean by that is at the end of the day, a lot, a lot of the guns that I have are meant for, you know, concealed carry or they're meant for shooting a certain type of whatever it is. If it's a double barrel shotgun, it's for, it's for trap. Right. But at the same time, it's my shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's mine. Like I, and I, and I like it. And if I want to put a, a white frame with a gold, you know, coated, uh, 
you know, whatever, you know, barrel, like that's my, my business. And and sometimes it's about having it be your baby. You know, I quickly personalized one of my firearms, the, you know, the second one I ever bought. Um, I, I, all I did, uh, luck was, you know, take a little bit of like uh, white nail polish and highlight some of the engraving on the slide and then clean it up. And it, it looks awesome on a, you know, the white on the back of a black, you know, it's a Smith and Wesson, uh, M&P 45. And, um, you know, it looks really good and it was really simple, but I, I just wanted to do something to make it stand out. Right. I think most people that we're getting, they, they use their guns as everyday carry or they hunt with it. They, they want it to look cool, but also be functional at the same time, either stippling or, or a, a more durable coating than what the, uh, the gun came with. Yeah. And I, and I, the other part of this is Keith, you and I talk about it all the time. Part of, again, why we do the show, we want to introduce new people to the, to this world. And listen, if you get somebody in and they're like into whatever they're into and they want to make it match their car, or they want, man, if that brings them into the gun world so and it. they're going to now be pro second amendment, so be it. That's, right. that's exactly. awesome. Good for them. And yeah. And luck. And that's why like someone like you, that's why this industry needs people like you, because there are people that want to have that customization so it's awesome it's good that you guys that you guys are out there do you have a favorite project is there something that stands out as like your personal favorite uh right now i'm doing a a 1911 a personal uh 1911 of mine that i just kind of wanted to do something that hasn't been done so i'm engraving it with the uh, mexican revolution theme on the slide i'm gonna eventually do the frame but because uh the Metal engraving takes so long. I've got like 16 hours in it on just two sides of the uh, wow. of the of the slide. <sighs> I've got to get the paint jobs in first before I work on. Well, you're you're I, you're making me ask what what would something like that cost? 16 hours on one slide. Yeah, so that would run about 800 bucks. Wow. Yeah. yeah you got geez. it. Yeah, this is this is something you got to want to make yours if you're going that far. I mean, I'm sure you do cheaper, you know, less expensive things than that, but that's amazing to do something like that. So I, one of the ones that I like that you've done, and it really was fairly simple, but I'm actually looking at it right now. I pulled it up on my phone and I'm going to get the, I'm, you're going to make one of these for me, just so you know, down the road. <laughs> um, I have to get the gun first, but it's uh Keith, it's a Beretta 92, which is like the like gun Lethal from like all stuff. the like eighties movies. Yeah, I know, I don't I know 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 what, yes. Yep. Exactly. And it is like a sweet, it's just a black, it's just black, but like you could tell the black is like, a, it's not just like a standard black. It looks like sharp. And then he has a chromed out barrel and chromed out like, uh, yeah, like the trigger yeah, yeah. and like the slider releases all it, it's just black and like a little yeah, bit of chrome cool. accent. It's that's like, that's like some, uh, like Carly's I've seen before, you know, like have stuff like that. Yeah. Like it's just enough pop to it. It's not crazy, but it like has like, like just enough pop to it. So that's, that's one of the ones I like. So What's the process for, let's say that, uh, let's say that I wanted to have that gun done, right? So I say, I want to have that gun done. What's the process for someone to get work done by you on their firearms? Well, for you, Mike, Lux says you got to get the gun first. (laughs) That's true. Yes. (laughs) But assuming I have the gun, right? What, what, what is the process here? I call you. I say, I want to do this project. Where, what happens? So you can, you ship it to us. We're FFL dealers. So you ship it to us. Uh, lead time right now is about a week and a half to two weeks, depending on whether you want engraving or a Cerakote. Uh, we get it in, we log it in our FFL book. And then when it's, uh, when it's time for it to be worked on, we you know, start work on it. Okay. And, um, do you like, so like, let's say that I'm having problems with the vision that I want. How does that work? Do we just kind of converse over the phone? Do you have like samples? Yeah. So most of the people that are coming in are coming in through uh, Facebook or Instagram. 
So if they don't, if I can, if I feel like I'm not seeing their vision, message them or, or, or text them pictures of what, uh, of what I'm thinking to see if they're okay with it. Same thing with engraving the uh, designs or the uh, images that they want. I'll, uh, I'll edit an image or whatever and message or text them and get the okay from them before I burn it. Gotcha. So can you give me, I'm not, I obviously I can't, there's a million scenarios, but can you sort of give us like a little bit of a rundown on pricing, like for laser stippling, for hand stippling, for seracoding, like just like a general guide? So uh, laser stippling is a hundred bucks. It's uh, it, it's the, the two side grips and the uh, index points. Uh, we haven't got around to doing a full wrap with the laser grip, but it, eventually we will. Um, hand stipple runs one fifty. If uh, if you add the index points and the undercuts, is one seventy five. Little small uh, engravings. Okay are typically $50 to to $75, just depending on on the type of metal and how big and how many passes we have to run, how deep they want it. And then on the slides, uh, just the size of the gun, anywhere from $150 to $250 typically for for gun slides. And then if they want like a a themed out slide, it's it's a little more because it takes a little bit more effort to uh, piece all this imagery together. So look, what about like just like standards, not like crazy, like multi-cam, but like just a standard Cerakote. Like if I want to have a black frame and a OD green slide, like what would something like that run? So like say on a Glock, that would run uh, 165 a single color, uh, $30 each additional color. So $195 for two colors. Okay. So I mean, you so if you want to have a little bit of customization done, you could you could be in the ballpark. Luck, I'll give you a little protection. Price is subject to change depending on time. You know, things prices could go up, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's the next uh, firearm customization uh, project you'd like to get into? Like, would you like to expand to something else if time, you know, if this took off a little bit more? What, what would be maybe the next thing you'd like to look at? Uh, currently, we have our, our slides cut by, uh, by a company, seven, seven Days Armed. Uh, I'd like to get into that ourselves, you know, buy a little mill machine and, and get it, start doing that ourselves in house. Yeah. That was one of the questions I was going to ask you is I, I didn't think you did it in house just from what I've seen. Um, but those guys seem like they work like right alongside you guys. So they do like red dot milling and they do all that stuff. Exactly. Uh, the RMR cuts, slide cuts, uh, barrel threading, okay. uh, uh, I actually even gave them a, a 1911 slide last last week, and I just said, "Man, just do something with it. You know, something something different." Yeah. What is that called when they like they put like when they chrome the barrel? They put the gold. Is that yes. called tin tin yes. coating? Is that what that's called? Uh, they don't do that. Uh, there's a place that does it here local, but the minimum order is 100 pounds, so it's got to be quite a bit of. So that that 92 uh, that I liked. What what is that barrel? That chrome barrel that they did that. Uh, no. So that, uh, one of my plater did that. That's, uh, that's nickel plated. Yeah. So something like that to, uh, nickel, okay. all those small parts, like on a Beretta, uh, it would, it would run three to three fifty, depending on what all you wanted plated. Luck, what, what was your, uh, do you remember, what was your first firearm experience? What, what, what got you into this situation where you thought, you know, let me make a living customizing guns? Well, we had the, the pawn shop. So we get a bunch of used guns that come in there. And uh, I remember getting a 1911 that it looked like it had been in a flood. 
And I was like, man, we could make a little bit more money if we Cerakoted it, and which we did. Uh, we just Cerakoted just a, a gloss black and and gold Cerakote for the uh, all the controls and small parts, and uh, sold it for I don't know two or three hundred dollars more than what we would have got. A little bit of a little bit of labor, and uh, got a little bit more profit. I like right. it. How about as a as a kid growing up? Did were you were you always around guns or? Yes, I actually got in trouble. When I was 16 years old because I had a I got caught with a shotgun in my truck. <laughs> but uh, just all, uh, more so being around my older cousins, uh, you know, they hunt and uh, some of them are in the military, so have been around them before. And my grandparents, my grandfathers. Nice. Well, and now you're living the dream. You're uh, you get to do something that you're passionate about every day, right? Yeah, I we I actually enjoy it. Um, Sometimes I, I tell people I haven't really worked uh, in a couple years. That's the right kind of job. Exactly. So, Luck, where can people find you on social media and uh, you know online? What are your where where can they reach out to you? So we're on Instagram and Facebook. Our our page is uh, Mad Cactus Customs. We also have a, a phone number. It's three four six two three two five seven seven four four. But most people contact us through the the message or the DM button. Sounds good, man. So if anybody out there is looking for custom work, check them out. Look at what they're doing and uh, and give Luck a call. Hook you up. So Luck, we have a, a little tradition on the show. We uh, like to play a game with our guests called Run and Gun. And Run and Gun is, I'm going to ask you 10 questions in rapid fire, and you're going to give me the first answer that comes to your mind. You down with that? I'm down with that. I like it. You didn't even hesitate, Keith. That's a good man right there. Yeah. First one in a long time who hasn't hesitated. Exactly. All right. Here we go, Luck. Number one. What is your favorite gun in your personal collection? Uh, Tech 9. What gun would you buy if money was no object? Uh, MP, MPX. If you could have a drink with one person, living or dead, who would it be? I think Elvis Presley. Yeah, like all right. That. I like that. The king, baby. Favorite caliber? 9 mil. Favorite hobby not gun related? Fishing. Saltwater fishing. If you, I was going to say saltwater or freshwater. Saltwater. <laughs> If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Maybe be able to see through walls. X-ray vision, another one with me. <laughs> yeah, but you want it for the right, well, maybe the right reasons. <laughs> hey, you don't know what luck wants to see through yeah, walls for. That That's true, too. Um, all hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Trained. Is it better to be loved or feared? Feared. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Rifle. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse? It would have to be one of my cousins who's an uh, ex-Marine. Awesome. Sounds like the oh, right guy. Anytime you can take a Marine, take a Marine. <laughs> Listen, man, you you ran that as good as anyone has ever run it, man. Smooth. Pretty darn quick, smooth, knew the answers. Yeah, awesome. it was good. It was good. Nice job. It's time for Top Gear. Let us test it before you invest it. All right, so today on Top Gear, we are going to review a couple of items. Uh, Keith and I are going to review an item together that we've actually been uh, sort of waiting, holding on to, to do. And then, Luck, you have a, have an item as well, so we'll let you uh, we'll let you do yours after okay. us. Okay. All right. So today, uh, the product that Keith and I are reviewing is Recon Medical's Gen Four Tourniquet. So we had uh, Recon Medical on the show uh, a few episodes back, and uh, just for uh, transparency and, and uh, just to be open and honest with all the listeners, 
I had originally bought a product from them and then I had them on the show. And when we were on the show, I said, you know, I like the tourniquet and I want to test them out. And they offered to send us a few, a few down our way so we could test them out. So, uh, the one we tested was the one they sent us, but I also am a customer as well. Um, first I'm going to describe the testing process and then we'll go over the pros and the cons. So the testing process was we, uh, put the tourniquet on my arm or my leg, excuse me, and cranked it. I believe it was three turns. Um, yeah, it got pretty tight. We could have gone four, but I thought I might chop your leg off. Yeah. If you needed to, you could have gone one more, but three was getting pretty, uh, it was pretty tight. And then we released it. And anybody that knows anything about tourniquets, once you use them once, you really shouldn't use them again because the fabric stretches. But, but we, had, perp- to, we, we had, had to see how far, far this would go. Yeah, exactly. So then we took it down to Keith's basement and we went on to a lolly column with it, which, as you know, was not going to move like a human human flesh. <laughs> it did not. And <laughs> it did not. We cranked it three, I'll call it three and a half to four. It, it was four, on the fourth one. Yeah. It it snapped after that, right? Because there was no oh, give it, on that. With the, uh, the, the uh, windlass bent. Yes. Uh, well, the windlass didn't really bend. It, it, it kind of started to bend a little bit as I was cranking it, but I believe it actually snapped off. And then afterwards, we took it to a vice and we snapped the windlass off in the vice, correct? Correct. Yes. So the windlass did not snap or break during testing at all. Um, correct. It was still functional. Even when the windlass was bending, you could totally get it into the clips um, and and it would still be adequate in my opinion. But Definitely. honestly, based on the way it worked on your leg, I don't think you would get to that kind of force. No, um, the, the lolly column wasn't moving at all, right? Yeah. Um, and then when it was all said and done, Keith wasn't even there for this. I decided to have some fun and I decided to run it over with my, uh, my truck tires uh, a couple of times. And the reason for that is I wanted to see if the windless clips would, would break under the weight of the truck. Um, they did not. So with all of that said, the pros, I would say the construction was very, very solid. Um, the only Ex- way it was breaking was by us really beating on it. Yeah. I think it exceeds, uh, you know, what, what it would be used for. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things I, I, per, I actually have, um, it's my, the one I use for my practice tourniquet, um, which if you're out there, always use a separate one for practice again, because you shouldn't keep reusing them. But I'm looking at it and it has a nice aluminum windlass. Um, it's got like gnarling on it. So you can get like, even if your hands were like bloodied up, you could still kind of get some grip on it, which is yeah. really nice. Um, the windlass clips were beefy. Like I said, I mean, I had my F-150 right over it two or three times and they didn't even bend. So they were good. You know. It's, oh, they, they also have a lifetime warranty. Yeah. No, it's good. no questions asked, right? The price point is very attractive. Yeah. Price point was $16.97, which um, other other tourniquets that I would say are comparable in style are almost double that. I'm talking like $28, $30. Yep. So, you know, if you're looking to have one of these in your car, one in your wife's car, one in your on your plate carrier, one on your AR stock, one on your whatever – you could get a handful of these for a very attractive price. Which brings us to the only con that we really could come up with, which is the fact that they are made in China. I typically, uh, Keith, we've talked about this on the show before, it's not something we, we love. I understand it. And, and you know, you and I talking about it, and although I don't necessarily agree with it, I can understand the perspective. And, you know, I feel that Recon has a high level of you know, quality control. And they're making sure that these things are, you know, manufactured to the high standards that they expect. 
And, you know, with that being said, you know, it's, it's hard to get these produced at that price point anywhere else. Um, you know, we recognize that. I think I would probably still be willing to pay the 28 bucks for the made in America one these days. Uh, you know, I try to make the distinction more and more, but, um, yeah, the, you know. the reason I so I, I I'm gonna go the other way on this. I, I try to be cognizant of buying things that are not made in China, but I will buy the the recon medical for anyone that's out there listening. And I'm gonna tell you why. I plan on having a handful of these things. I really want one. You're gonna have it. to a lot of holes to fill. I get it. Yeah, I, I'm being serious. Like I want no, one in my wife's I car. Know. I want one in my car. I want one on you know on my AR. Like you know one of my range bags. So to buy seven of these things or six of these things or whatever, you know, I just don't have the money to, to blow on tourniquets that are maybe never going to get used. So I think it's a great hopefully product. Never get used, right? Hopefully. Right. I think it's a great product. Uh, I really, if, if I got a call tomorrow and they said, Hey, we're moving to, you know, Canada, whatever, another country other than China, I'd say, man, this is a home run all day long. But, yeah. That, and that was what I think I even said to, to you know, to them off, off record was just like, man, if you could find any other country other than China. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If it was made anywhere other than China, I'd say it's a home run. Right now, you're like looking at a triple, you know, like I'm, I'm really liking the product, but uh, that's the one, the one thing that uh, I would change about it. So anyway, Agreed. Uh, anyone out there, if you're looking for a good product with a good price point, I definitely would recommend it and uh, take a look at them. They're, they make good stuff. Okay. Um, so luck, what do you got for us? Yeah. So, uh, last week we had a, uh, Springfield Hellcat come in that wanted to get Cerakoted. And it was actually the first time I held one and, and actually got to look at it and was it, the gun felt really good. There's been a lot of talk about it. It's been a popular gun this, these last few months, <clears throat> but I was, uh, took it apart and I was impressed at how simple it was to to take apart it, it reminded me uh it was just like the glock almost three pins and it all came out 11 plus one you can get it an extended mag 13 plus one so for a little nine mil unless you live in new york like us oh yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> we have different problems yeah <laughs> i forgot about that but down here in texas, down here in texas we're okay yeah i actually uh was looking i like the um sig p365 mm-hmm. And when this came out, I was like, ooh. And then I was like, what it's, am I It's talking? attractive. It's attractive. Yeah, it is. I'm like, but what's the point? If I can't have the extra rounds, I might as well get yeah. the SIG. You know? yeah, so, right. but, uh, I'm sorry. Luck, so do you get to shoot these guns when they come in? Like, you got to test them after you Cerakote them, right? You got to make sure they work. M- most times not, but uh, I would say we would uh, we fire about a third of the guns when they're really tricky to put back together or tricky guns to mess with. We do have a, uh, a uh, shooting barrel that we, we use to uh, make sure that everything's back together right. Did you shoot this? No, one? just because it all it felt good. Everything worked fine, and I didn't feel it was a need to. Gotcha. How did it feel in your hand? Is it? Uh, I know typically Springfield. One of the issues they have is the uh, bore axis is a little high on them. Yeah, it actually felt really good. Uh, yeah. yeah, I I have I, I can I have big hands, but it, uh, it it even though it's a small gun, it felt really good. Yeah, I I think yeah, it's weird. Springfield has this like weird reputation. I feel like some people just like really hate on them and i don't know why it is but i I have an xds and you know i mean i had a little bit of problem with it and until it got broken in but once that now that it's broken in i I don't have any issues with it and i like it you know it's easy to carry single stack i enjoy it yeah Yeah. um i have an xds too that i that i like but i don't like the regular xds for some reason yeah 
Why is that? Uh, they just seem too bulky for me. They feel like I'm holding a brick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to rip on Glocks, but I kind of always think of that with Glocks. It's oh, like yeah. a brick. <laughs> yeah. Someone's going to hate me out there. <laughs> yeah, you're done. Yeah. But you know, one thing that stood out about this uh, Hellcat, the uh, the feed ramp, at first, uh, it, that thing was polished to a mirror. And the guy that brought it in just picked it up and brought it to the shop. I was really impressed at the... Uh, the craftsmanship or the uh how it came out from the factory it just i've, I've never seen a, a ramp feed polished like that from a stock gun well that's a that's a good yeah. uh, testament yeah definitely and i think you know the the amount of rounds they're putting into a small package like that is is really impressive you know and, and like obviously the sig has a great reputation and there's a couple others out there that are coming out that i think are you know we're starting to see more rounds in smaller firearms but man they went right after SIG. You know, they said we can top that and they put more rounds in. So it is impressive. Well, I think it's time for the boys to sit around and shoot the shit. On shooting the shit today, we are going to talk about dove hunting. And I'm going to give a, a quick little uh, background to this. So there's a show on Netflix called Meat Eater with Steve Rinella, who's a world renowned hunter. And I used to watch it. And one of the episodes, he goes dove hunting. And I was like, that looks so much fun. So I've always, I've wanted to do it, but I actually did a little research today and it's not legal in New York. And actually it's not legal in most of the Northeast and the Midwest. And that dates all the way back to the 1900, back to the 1900s. They said morning dove hunting is no longer, is not, not cool here. And it's stood that way since the 1900, early 1900s. So it's just not something that we do up here. Yeah. I think Um, Michigan, I think Michigan is the only state that's like, that had it banned from like the 1900s and then it was legal for a couple of years and then it went illegal again for a couple of years. And I think maybe it's legal again now. Definitely had some kind of a change of heart or something like that, but yes. So Keith, you're not really a hunter, right? No, not, not very much at all. It just kind of, you know, my, my family was, it was around me a lot. Uh, my dad was not really into that. So I, I was got a lot more time with cars and things like that growing up. My gun, uh, my gun passion came a little later in life, but I love trap shooting and I love sporting clays and, and things like that. That's probably one of my favorite things to shoot. So I, I it's gotta be pretty similar to that, right? Yeah. I, uh, well, that's kind of why I thought this was a good topic for us. And also, you know, like if you're going to go hunting, like I always say this, like deer hunting, you could sit in the woods for hours and never see a deer. Yeah. But if you, yeah. if you go like and, doing and solo, like, this dove hunting is, is more social. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So the reason why this was the perfect uh, topic for shooting the shit on this episode is because Luck does this every single year. He does, right? Am I correct? Exactly. Yeah. So I thought, man, you could kind of give us some insight on this. So what's it like? I always tell people it's the most fun you can have with a gun. (laughs) It's just, uh, you know, you, you go out there in the field with your buddies. You don't have to be quiet. You can have a beer and shoot the shit with them, holler at someone across the field and, and then just shoot dove till, till your arm gets tired. That's crazy. So when I watched that episode with Steve Rinella, um, the way that they, um, the way that they did it, they just walked into a, it looked like a cornfield that had been mowed down. And I don't, this is the question I have for you. Look, what makes the birds fly up? Because they were like a hunt. They were just flying everywhere. Is that, what it's like? Or do they just fly all over the place? It just depends where you're at. We used to hunt at a <clears throat> in Beeville, Texas, where it, it was either hit or miss. But 
the last few years we've been hunting in uh, Brownsville, Texas, and the place we're hunting at butts up to the Rio Grande. So I don't know if these birds are migrating south and then stop at this big field before they got to get a drink. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they uh, they're in the fields, and then when the when the sun starts coming up, sun up, they fly out, and then uh, I guess they go out to eat, and then in the afternoon they come back to the field. So. It's kind of so like you're are, are you kicking them up like you would with like a pheasant or grouse or they're just there you just catch them as they're flying in uh catch them as, as they're flying okay and <laughs> i from what i understand like you they're fast so you might be like taking like shot after shot after shot after shot like the thing i read today said the bet one of the best shotguns to use is first off a like an auto feeder because you know, a pump, you're going to have to work the action where an auto feeder, you can just pull the trigger. Is that true? It's it's incredibly uh, unbelievable how fast sometimes these doves are flying. And without a, a a semi auto, you, uh, you can still get them, but you have the advantage with a semi auto. How do you make sure you're not shooting your buddies? Uh, (laughs) uh, it's, it's just second nature, I guess. I mean, you just, uh, watch out. Do you walk in a line? You walk in a line? Uh, it's just there's no. You don't walk. You just uh, you you wait in the in the field on the edge of a field, and then they're, oh. they come to you. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, what and what I'd always heard luck is uh, things that I've read about it. They say make sure there's always gray or blue in your sights. In other words, like you know, you shouldn't be looking at wood. You should be looking at the sky, blue sky yeah. or gray sky. Is yeah. that kind of like the rule of thumb? Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you shoot a twelve gauge? Because I heard like you you take a lot of shots. I heard sometimes people prefer twenty gauge when they're doing dove hunting. Yeah, um, we go we go with the group about uh, it's anywhere from twelve to fifteen of us. We all shoot twelve gauges. Um, okay. My, um, like my son, he's thirteen. He shoots a twenty gauge. But okay. the uh, yeah, that's appropriate. Yeah, and if we were shooting pumps, we probably be we would probably you know go to a 20 gauge but being that we shoot semi-autos and it it helps with the recall we all shoot 12s gotcha um yeah i mean are you using just regular bird shot yes bird shot yeah yeah what do you usually seven and a half uh seven and a half exactly yeah so it's basically what you use for trap correct Yeah, exactly what i'm using for trap yeah yeah so i mean like this is basically trap but the real thing keith yeah 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 exactly and and then i gotta you know eat it afterwards it sounds yeah. like a, sounds like so, a wonderful day so on meat eater one if you've ever seen that show i don't know if you have or not he like a lot of times he like does the hunt and then he does the second part where he shows like how he would prepare the food oh, and I on that one eat it raw or something no 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 <laughs> and on that episode he did um dove poppers and yeah. that's where i got the idea for that um for pheasant pheasants, poppers. yeah they were delicious yeah so have you ever done those before oh, yeah that's what we do we cook them in the field or you know we bring them home and cook them here at home but yeah dove poppers uh the dove breast yeah. jalapeno and uh, cream cheese uh sometimes give us some other dove recipes what else you making out of dove uh that's pretty much all we do when we grill we just uh get a bag of dove poppers just, yeah just throw them on the grill I know people. Well, there's not a lot of meat on them, right? So you kind of have to. The bre- yeah, the breast, I guess, are like the best. Part. Yeah, but I, I've heard of people doing um, uh, chicken and dumplings instead of uh, chicken. Oh yeah, yeah, like chicken, like uh, a d- dove and dumplings. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice with like a gravy. Yes. Yeah. So that sounds good. 
is it a, like you're obviously really into it like is it a big thing in texas overall or it just is in the area you're in like is it a big texas thing I wouldn't say it's a big Texas thing. It's just, um, we, we just love it. Uh, we've invited several people and if their wives and girlfriends, let them come back next year, they come back. But (laughs) (laughs) does anyone say, how dare you kill those doves? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but I, uh, I have a relative or a couple of relatives that live in the Virginia and the Maryland area. And apparently that's a, a place that it's big. And, uh, I looked into a couple of places, Keith, and, there's They're overpopulated. Place, there's one place that's like, it's it's nice. You go there and like you know you spend whatever you spend. I don't know what the cost of it is, but it's like an old old southern kind of like a mansion, but it's mm-hmm. a bed and breakfast. So you go there, you stay in the bed and breakfast, Get and then in the morning morning they drive you out and they outfit you and they they put you in the field and Sounds they awesome. basically set you up, you know. And it, I don't think it was that expensive. I mean, like you're only going for a day, you know. Yeah. Luck. So, how, how how old were you when you first did this? Uh, believe it or not, I was actually in my twenties. Okay. Yeah, and then I've uh, been doing it for uh, I don't know, fourteen, fifteen years. Oh wow! One one of your cousins get you into it exactly. And I didn't. I just took a guess. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> want to go, but they were they were insistent. Man, you gotta go, you gotta go, and I've been hooked ever since. It looks like a lot of fun. Like you said, it looks very social. And if I'm not mistaken, the season is in September, correct? It starts at, uh, mid-September and goes all the way through mid-January. Yeah. So, like, I mean, it's a it's a good time of the year to do it. You know what I mean? Like, nice fall weather. Right. Hang out with a bunch of your buddies yeah. and, and drink some beers and, and then have some poppers afterwards. Yeah. Awesome time. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for... Uh, Thanks for sharing your experience with that. It's something I've, oh, I, I really want to do it. So it's nice to talk to someone that's actually done it. And, uh, and I appreciate it. Um, Keith, you have anything you want to end with? Well, I was, I was going to give Luck an, an opportunity to see if he had any questions for us. You know, we've been asking him all the questions. I, I didn't know if he that's wanted fair. to ask us anything. Yeah. Uh, how long have you guys been doing this uh, gun experiment thing? Uh, when did we start, Keith? It hasn't been that long, believe it or uh, not. Yeah, May? maybe uh, May. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. April probably we, was probably the first couple times we did, yeah. did this. So, right? yeah, somewhere around April or April or May. Um, it, I think it, we I, we released our first episode in May. But yeah. We were we were working on it in April. Yeah. So it's been sort um, of Mike's brainchild. Luck. He, you know, this is something that he he was pretty passionate about, yeah. and I just got to got to jump along for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. But it's uh it's been a lot of fun. You know, we get to talk to a lot of cool people and and meet interesting people and and. Uh, we learn a lot, you know, like, I mean, that's kind of the big yeah, part of it. I think we get to learn a lot of it, you know? So we just want to get people excited about the, you know, the second amendment and, yeah. uh, and the right sure. and, uh, you know, educate people on, on the fun things that uh, you can do with firearms. And actually like we talked about, you know, dove hunting, like, I mean, there's some, I bet you there's a ton of people that don't even know anything about it. No, right? <laughs> I but didn't know it, I very mean, much about it. Yeah. It's, it's one more thing that like, I mean, Keith, you have a, you have a, an over under. I mean, you have shotguns, you know, it's like we could go down to Maryland and just do that in September. It's, it's a, it's, there's so many things you can do with firearms that the people who don't get it probably will never get it because how do you, how could you knock something that can bring so many different avenues of use and of joy, you know, I mean, hunting, sports shooting, plinking. Exactly. Well, you know. yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the biggest arguments that, that, you know, people who, are are not pro Second Amendment. They they go to you know you you don't need to hunt. You can buy your groceries or whatever. But it for you know for me a non hunter it's it's not really all about hunting. It's I I love target shooting. I I love competitive shooting. 
you know, uh, there's I something love, in uh, it for everybody. There's something you know in I mean? it for everyone if you want to try it. You know, and yeah. and and the ability to pr- pr- protect myself is by far sure. my, my favorite part. You know? But there's people who say like, you don't need an AR-15 to hunt. No, but that's a no. whole different aspect. There's so many different facets of the Second Amendment, and you know, just kind of going to bring this full circle. Luck, the business that you're in, and it's what we said earlier. There's people that they just like cool stuff, yeah. and yeah, they just want to have a. Cu- they just want to have a custom firearm the same way as someone may want to have a custom car or a custom guitar. Exactly. You know, so I think it's cool that, you know, like I said, we, uh, we get to meet a lot of interesting people, you know, and put you in that category. You know, I mean, like you're, do, you're doing something cool with firearms and if people are out there listening, you know, like I said before, check them out. Um, I got to ask Luck one more question about the pawn yeah. shop. I, I know it's late, late in the interview, but Luck, what can you tell me? one of the craziest things somebody ever came into pawn. My, my, my cousin had a, my, my dad's cousin actually had a pawn shop growing up. And I remember hearing some of the stories. So you got to have some good stories about some things that people came into pawn. Uh, I do, but the, the, uh, probably the craziest or coolest one, I was on vacation and my guys, uh, I came back from vacation and this, uh, old guitars, old Gibson guitar came out of pawn, you know, they, they didn't come back to pick it up. And I was a little upset. I was like, why did this guy take this old guitar? And I asked one of the guys and he said, well, the, the other guy said he thought it was worth some money. We had given $75 for it. It turned out to be a 1967 uh, Gibson. I forgot what model, but I ended up selling it on eBay for 6,500 bucks. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, uh, that's crazy. I wonder what he needed the 75 bucks yeah, for. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. All right, that's it. That, I just had to know. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, Luck, I want to thank you for being on the show. Um, I think what you're doing is awesome, and I think you're creating great products. And uh, I, I hope someday to, uh, to maybe have to have you do some work, maybe that 92 for me. You said uh, they can find you at Mad Cactus Customs on Facebook and Instagram, correct? That is correct. Sounds good. And if you're out there, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Gun Experiment so we can keep the conversation going. Guys, have a great night.